You've been asking for this guy to come on the show for a while. He's a multiple world champion, a global superstar, a private family man. He's intelligent, articulate, funny, and always interesting. This week, we welcome Sebastian Vettel. I think if you worry too much, then don't do it. You have to enjoy as well and just don't worry, just do it. You know, if you think it's a good idea, do it and you'll figure it out along the way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Grid with me, Tom Clarkson. Sebastian Vettel is a man who needs very little introduction. He's one of F1's titans. Statistically, he's the third most successful driver in history, behind only Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher. He's won four world titles, scored 53 wins and taken 120 podiums. And while things have been a bit lean in the last couple of years with Ferrari, don't forget that when Vettel won, he used to win big. Let me give you an example. Of the 58 races that took place in 2011, 2012 and 2013, Sebastian won 29 of them. That's exactly half. He was a winning machine. But the wonderful thing about Sebastian is that he's so much more than just a racing driver. He's both interested and interesting. He's well-read, he's bright, and he isn't afraid to give the counter-argument. And he has a passion for the history of our sport. For all the riches, the fame, and the adulation, he remains an incredibly normal guy, and he's someone that most people listening to this pod would love to have a drink with. We all know Seb's leaving Ferrari at the end of the year and heading to Racing Point as they morph into Aston Martin. We discuss that, of course, but this conversation goes much further. I wanted to show you another side of this great racer and get a sense of how he's changed during his time in Formula One. I think that's the real Sebastian Vettel. We caught up a couple of weeks ago in Russia on the weekend that he made his 250th Grand Prix start. That placed him 10th on the all-time list. Not that Seb seemed too bothered about the milestone. I'm not sure I'm proud of that, but it's not fair if you compare to the past because they had way fewer races than us today. So it's a bit fake, in my opinion. They did a lot of races probably in other categories. So you have to add those as well. Yeah, that's a fair point. But they're not Grand Prix, so I get, I get the statistics. Look, how has your attitude to Formula One changed over the last 14 years? Do you still love it as much? Does the relationship between you and Formula One change? I think it does. Um, I think it would be impossible to keep up the uh, impression you have at, at first. So I think, you know, what you mustn't forget is that you live at the same time as well and you grow up, you grow older, you mature. So I think I'm, I don't know, you need to ask other people, but I would think I'm the same sort of person. But you are obviously, you learn along the way and um, you learn a lot about Formula One, a lot, a lot about the people in Formula One, uh, running Formula One, contributing to Formula One. So, yeah, I think it does change my view and uh, I still love it. So that hasn't changed, but the love is different nowadays than it was 14 years ago so are you the kind of guy who looks back reflects no do you look back at those 53 wins and go no. that was a particularly good one no <laughs> no i don't i don't look back i mean i look back to try and learn something if i you know if there's a lesson to learn then i hope i won't miss it but i'm not looking back thinking 
you know, how great I was or how great that moment was. I have nice memories, don't get me wrong. And they uh, also push me on to the next thing. But I don't, I don't spend a, time, a lot of time looking back. I'm always, I think, generally looking forwards. What's the best race you've driven in Formula One? And I've got two in my mind. I don't know. It was my answer because for exactly the reason I mentioned earlier. I don't know. I have 250 now or 249. Is this 250? Yeah, Rush is too good. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you can obviously name the first win, the first this, the first that, but I think there's a lot of races as well that I did that I felt I, I did really well, but the result maybe didn't show that, you see. So I don't if know. If I said to you Abu Dhabi 2012, when you went from the pit lane to third, yeah. good race. Good race. You know, the surprising thing with this is that I have no clue when you ask me now what race, this and this and that, and ask me to name it, I, I, I couldn't tell. But if you get, get into a race, that one was a specific one, so that's triggered it. But if you get into a race and you give me a couple of key things that happened in or around that race, it comes back up. So it's impossible for me to remember every race like that. But then if we talk about a, a particular race, then it, it's weird how the memory works. It comes back. I think 2012 was 2012, a good year. Yeah, yeah, the Abu Dhabi race. Um, also, I'd say Brazil when you got docked yeah. by Senna. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to stay in the race, I guess, was the main, main yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, in Abu Dhabi, because I went to the back of the field and then overtook half of the field, then I hit the DRS polystyrene block, damaged the front wing. We had to change the front, went to the back of the field again. And then I was lucky as well with the safety cast, but then drove up to third, I think, in the end. So Kimi Raikkonen out in front, Fernando Alonso second. By the way, here goes Sebastian Vettel on Jensen Button. Through the chicane they go, the wheel to wheel. They haven't touched yet. Sebastian Vettel gets himself up into third place, which for his own title chances are absolutely brilliant. Good man. Now drop him. And the funny thing there was that, you know, people said, ah, oh, you didn't have to overtake Jensen in that final or final part of the race. Fourth was enough, considering where you came from, etc. But if I hadn't passed him there and get these extra three points, I don't think I would have been world champion that year. So it was worth it. Maybe that was a good race, but I don't like talking about myself. Let's talk about something else. Well, <laughs> difficult if you interview <laughs> <Yes>. me. <but. laughs> Out of the race, Sebastian Vettel. He has been leading almost from start to finish, but now he's out of this race. For sake. Sorry, guys. It's not going to be Sebastian Vettel's day. Lewis Hamilton regains the lead of the championship. Get in there, Lewis. Miracles do happen, mate. Car number 44 has really been the number one once again. He comes home to win the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and to crown a championship winning season. Sebastian Vettel follows his home as runner-up here and runner-up in the championship as well. Grazie la squadra Maranello. Next year we fight back. Seb, new chapter in 
2021. How will you reflect on your Ferrari years? Is it right place, wrong time? Is that how you look back on it? No, I, I, I don't. I don't think I will go on having any regrets looking back. It is true that I have failed because I set myself the mission or the target to win the championship with Ferrari. I have failed. I didn't didn't manage to do that. There's right. things that I should have done better. Things that maybe I should have seen earlier. Fights that maybe I shouldn't have picked. But then again, I think everything that happened brought me to where I am now. You see what I mean? So it's not like you know that. And I and I'm and I'm generally not talking about uh, stuff that happens on the track now losing the car in Hockenheim in, in sort of half wet half dry conditions you, many people point that, that one out as a low point but um, I'm not talking about things like that I'm not more talking about what's been going on and uh, yeah so if I'm fair and harsh then I have failed were there reasons probably yes but I don't want to, you know, I, I don't accept them as excuses. Um, so whatever happened also, I guess, put me on the next step forward and uh, next level to, yeah, focus you on the next You say there were battles that you wish you hadn't fought. Is there one that stands out? No, not out? wish, but just think that maybe they weren't, looking back, they weren't worth fighting. You see what I mean? So, but then again, part of it is probably my nature and uh, it was natural to do so. And I think... I had a point as well in some of these, some of these little fights and battles, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately that's how you mature and how you learn. I mean, again, I think the important bit is I don't have the sense of regret. I'm, I'm happy to, to move on. So, Well, let's move on. You're going to Aston Martin. When you were discussing next year with Lawrence Stroll, what convinced you? Well, he did. Um, I think the fact that uh, the team is growing a lot of factors so i think those boxes were quite easy to tick in terms of you know the performance um the uh racing side of things you know where the team is where the team might be uh the potential and so on but more so i think it was the mindset and uh, the will to really do something and do something good bring something good together and it sounds like a fun project and something that yeah, ultimately I decided I want to be part of. So it is very different to Ferrari, obviously, uh, you know, Racing Point as it stands today and in the future Aston Martin will will be growing. There will be a lot of things happening for the first time. And I think it's a, an incredible challenging journey for the whole team and me joining. I hope I can contribute <laughs> a lot of things and uh, do, do good in the car and outside the car. Seb, you say it's growing. Of course it is, but it's still a much smaller more nimble team than Ferrari are you quite looking forward to going back to something that is just a racing team well I love racing and um, I'm looking forward to go racing so um, yeah I mean uh, as I said I don't regret the last years and I've learned a lot in my time with Ferrari I think uh, about a different team a different culture got to make a lot of friends as well along the way so but yeah certainly Ferrari is a special team in many ways and uh, I guess where I'm going will be different but um, yeah I'm looking forward to it now we first met in 2006 when you were test driver for BMW Sauber what struck me back then 
was your carefree attitude. You really had, it seemed, age 19, no worries. How different is the Seb Vettel of today? Yeah, but today? That's, isn't that just being 19? <laughs> well, maybe, you know. <laughs> but, but how different well, is the Seb Vettel of today? Well, different, as I said, and uh, the view of Formula One is different, but I think a lot of it is just the fact that I'm older. I mean, you, you'd hope that you'd be different now in terms of seeing things and having a much broader horizon and all, all these things. Just because, you know, when I was 19, I was still a teenager and there's a lot of things that you didn't know and therefore you didn't see. And once you see things, then I think it's like with everything, it's difficult to unsee. So sometimes you'd wish <laughs> to be able to unsee things, but um, yeah, I think that's just what what life is life is about. So um, yeah, have you have your priorities changed? For sure. I mean, uh, back then I had basically uh, racing and racing and racing and racing. Now um, I still have racing, but uh, I'm a father as well. I have three kids. I have a wife. So um, yeah, I have other things in life that I. Uh, that I really got to know and got to love and um, wouldn't want to miss anymore. We got, got married only last year, but it's the same woman, same person as <laughs> 2006. Yeah, so. lovely Hannah. But does it slow you down, the family and the kids? Does it calm you down? Does it make you see the sport differently in any way? Well, again, I think it's just life and the fact, obviously, when you have kids, I think it's... It does change things. I don't think it changes you down in terms of the stopwatch. It's not like I'm taking consciously less risk and uh, attacking less in the car and so on. But um, yeah, it just gives you a completely different perspective on yourself, on life itself. And um, so for sure, it, it has a huge impact and it does change things. So that's without doubt. Were you ever a wild boy? Were you ever a hellraiser? Is there a side to Seb that no one knows? Well, I think different to most people around in the paddock <laughs> and uh, in the public eye, I'm trying to, well, it's just me. I'm not trying to stay out of sight. It's just, I don't have much to share, you see. So <laughs> I get along, so I'm happy with, happy with myself. Um, I don't think I'm a mass, I, I am a, I mean, I am a rebel, but not like a crazy one and wild and Obviously, everything I do, I consider normal, but I don't know if my normal qualifies as wild or boring. I guess I'm interested in a lot of, in a lot of things that people consider boring, and I'm interested in a lot of things that people would consider wild, so. There is definitely a wild side to Seb. I know this because I witnessed it firsthand back in 2008 when we climbed Mount Fuji together. We've been standing in the Fuji Speedway paddock, admiring the mountain together, when we decided we wanted to climb it, and we set off on the 4,000 metre challenge just hours after he'd finished sixth for Toro Rosso in that year's Japanese Grand Prix. Not only that, he wanted to climb it at night in order to be at the summit for dawn. We achieved our aim, but it was cold. We were at the top, it was about minus 20, and you said, it's cold. <laughs> What's the quickest way down? And I had no idea. I said, I, I assume it's the, the way the we've come way up. We up. And you yeah. went, I'm not having that. And you just jumped off the summit and skied, what well, looked like skied, the scree down. 
And I was like, oh my God, Franz Toth. you did it too then. I slid down on my ass, but I saw a side that, an impetuous side that was like, I'm just doing this and I'm going to sort it out on the way. Maybe that was being naive and young, but I would still do it today. <laughs> Because first, That's it wasn't, as, it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad as you put it now. But we didn't know it when, when you just leapt. Yeah, off but it. you have to try. And if you convince that it works, then try, and you'll you'll find Fran out along the way. Said so. Franz Tost had said to me, we had a, a race in China the following week, and he'd said to me, if he's unable to race in China, I will kill you. Exact yeah. words that Franz said. And as you disappeared over the edge, I was thinking, is he going to start an avalanche? What's going, yeah. what's about to happen? No, but you, the way I look at these things is. I think if you worry too much, then don't do it. But I think it's always useful and helpful. You you have to enjoy as well and just don't worry, just do it. You know, if you think it's a good idea, do it and you'll figure it out along the way. If obviously it would have turned out to be horrible, we would have stopped it. But as it turned out, it was genius because we were much faster and it was a lot more fun and we were down in no time. So yeah, I didn't thank I, you for I it. I think yeah, you do. <laughs> um, I think that's the state of mind where ultimately you'd like to be all the time in terms of just doing what's right in front of you and sorting it out, fixing a problem, whatever. If it's a problem, fix it. Get the people alongside and different inputs and just work it out together. Or if it's, I don't know, a way down a mountain or up, then just figure out which way you want to go and just do it. So don't, don't overthink it, basically. Great job, Sebastian. Proud of you. Great job. Oh, yes. What a race. Thank you, guys. P1, Sebastian. P1. Woohoo! Forza Ferrari. Seb, what does winning mean to you? And how long does the winning feeling last after a race? Not long enough. <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to sound stupid, but it means less and less nowadays because I think you, you realize that it's more about the journey, more about what brings you there and that's the actual bit that you also remember. Now it's not, I like trophies and I'm very, um, I think winning is, is giving you the ult ultimate confirmation of what you have achieved. So I'm very result driven and I'm very competitive, but You may, I don't know if you mentioned 50 wins, 52 wins earlier. Are you um, pretending you don't know how many wins you've no, scored? No, how many was it? 53, 52, 53. That's amazing in itself. Yeah, but it's... I don't remember the number, you see what I mean? How many poles? I don't know. How many championships? Four, this is <laughs> okay. easy. Um, but uh, it's more, you know, when you speak about 2012, that race, for example, it's more about the story rather than just the win, you see what I mean? So that's why I'm saying less and less important. Obviously, don't get me wrong, I'm here to win and it would feel dull just to, to be around. It's not like that. I, I love driving the car, don't get me wrong, I love racing, but I wouldn't do it just for that. I need to have the, the sense that I can win this um, and I can win the race and I have a chance and so on. So I think if you give me a year racing for 16th, then I'm not that excited, especially because I've been at the top, you see? If it was 17th I've been racing before and now 12th, it's a huge hype, but now 16th doesn't give me a buzz. Um, so winning is still important, but it's more the it's more confirmation, so. What about bad races? Do they keep you up at night? Yeah, less though <laughs> than they used to, because I guess, yeah, with 
with uh, with everything where I am in my life, I have other other things going on as well, and it's good, you know. Sometimes it's good to have distraction. You get home, and generally my home is not all about my racing. It's pretty much the opposite, and I like it that way, you know. It's there's no pictures on the wall of of me and stuff like that. I don't. I never wanted a home like that because it's not about me. It's about the home and about us as a family, and not. Uh, Do you not have a man cave that's got? Well, I have a place where I have all the stuff, obviously, <laughs> because I, I'm a bit uh, not nostalgic. What is the way when you collect a lot of? What's the term when you collect a lot of things? Well, collector. <laughs> no, but um, I keep a lot of the stuff because I'm thinking one day maybe it's nice to have it, and um, yeah, also like I don't know, small gifts from the fans or something they wrote or they drew or something. So. But it does take up some space after these yes. years. Yeah, How many so, wins was it? Yeah, 53 yeah. trophies. Um, Carlos Sainz said recently that the first thing he did after finishing second in the Italian Grand Prix was go back to his hotel and watch the race again. Does that sound familiar? No. No? No. No. <laughs> I've never done that. What would the missus say to you if your first thing you did when you got home was, can we no. just watch it? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. It just, no, I wouldn't want to do, I don't know. I wouldn't want to do that. I've driven the race, so why why do I need to see it again? You know, sometimes it's interesting when I, when they show the highlights just to see, you know, what what happened to other people or what happened generally in the race. But even if you look at the trophy for two hours, better than looking re rewatching the race. It's just wasted time, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about a weekend off? The calendar is quite intense, so actually, it's quite nice to have a weekend off. But um, yeah, obviously, I, d I don't see weekdays and weekends, you know, for. It's just all blends into one but uh, for sure with the kids and then the weekend becomes a bit more of a weekend like other people have it normally it's quite relaxed just going for a walk uh, with the dog spending time outside I mean now it's the season we picked some apples so whatever you know I don't I, I don't there's no particular schedule it just comes up stuff that you can do with the kids stuff obviously I go training uh, when the weather is nice, I might go for a bike ride and, you know, pick outside rather than inside always and chill out. What, yeah, just do whatever comes comes up. What about the motorbikes? I've been told you, you've got a, a collection of bikes. Is that yeah, right? I have some old bikes. Um, I just like to go out again if the weather is nice. Not when it's, I don't do it when, it, when the weather isn't nice. So um, just to have a joy ride, really, just an hour or 30 minutes. But I don't go it. I don't push because the bikes are scary if you push. <laughs> Drum brakes and they don't really work and all this stuff. How, how old are they? I mean, depending. It, I mean, the oldest I have is 1928. That's a challenge in itself just to fire it up and then also to uh, actually drive because you have hand throttle. You have the brakes uh, on the on the foot, but on the wrong foot or the other way round. And then they're all different. So you have the Italian Italian bikes, the English bikes. The way they, you know, the way you shift, you have normally nowadays you have the shift on the left, and uh, you upshift on the way up and you downshift on the way down. In the past, they had it on the right side, the English bikes, and then even the other way round, the Italian bikes. So then you just need to. It's also a bit of a mental exercise to remember because if you if the red if the light goes red and you have to stop, then you know you you're doing foot brake, but actually what you're doing is you're shifting up, so it's not really helping. So you need to need to remember but yeah i just like to the sound and just uh you're a mechanical yeah. nut because you've also got old cars yeah what i like about the old things is that you get what you see or you see what you get nowadays with the modern car i mean 
they're nice cars don't get me wrong but you you just i don't i don't think you can attach to them as much as the old cars because especially the behind the scenes or under underneath the hood or bonnet what's going on because you haven't got a clue it's full of plastic it's all covered up and all the magic happens somewhere else you see what i mean so i think that's a bit well, will of you a put your overalls shame. on and go and get get your hands dirty and do all the mechanics yourself not enough i would love to do more of that but uh, then you know it's obviously if i have time i i do whatever comes up but for sure i prioritize the family so you, you know you yeah. spend i much rather spend time with the kids look, on this car collection fixing fixing the bike Seb, on this car collection i don't know how much you're prepared to give away but have you got a favorite yeah my all-time favorite is the f40 beautiful yeah. classic yeah what about racing car racing cars um well it's not like i have tons of racing cars <laughs> i have a couple of old cars that i really like and can relate to like the red five from nigel menso um, have you driven that yet not yet but i'm planning on so i think most of the people they have these cars but they never use it so it's a bit of a shame like there are pieces of art and normally you hang up art up your wall and you look at it so you can treat it that way but i think the cool thing is you can actually sit in that piece of art and drive it as well so feel it um but i guess my all-time favorite is the uh, 2004 ferrari that michael drove i think that's i don't know the v10 the sound that's just what i grew up with in that's you know my best childhood memory formula one type of thing so You haven't got that. You just no. like that car. The one no. that we had at Mugello with Mick, yeah, exactly. Mick driving. And yeah. It was a majestic moment, wasn't it? Seeing Mick in the F2004 in Mugello. And I, I know what you mean about the V10 as well. I really miss that. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible how loud the cars were in comparison to how quiet they are today. So to see, first of all, him in his father's car and in that car on that day and that weekend... Yeah, it was sort of surreal, but um, I really like him as well. He's a nice, he's just a nice, nice young man. And uh, knowing who his father was and who his father was to me, it was very, very special. Plus the car, like I said, I'm obviously a fan of the car as well. <laughs> so, Except when I see Mick, I see Michael. His mannerisms are so similar. The way he talks, I think, is very similar. His passion undiluted passion for racing is just like the old man as well absolutely um so um as i said i really like him because he's just a really nice man and certainly the situation as it is now is very very difficult for him but i think he's coping with it in a very mature way which you wouldn't expect from a man who is just you know just a bit over 20 so now seb outside of racing What else are you passionate about? Um, I don't only have one thing. I Generally, I'm quite open. I would say open-minded. I'm very tolerant. I like to try also lots of different things. I get easily hooked on people and their thing in life when I feel that they are very excited about it. You know, I, I think excitement, that's, that's my passion. I like people who are excited, whether it's a carpenter or whether it's a guy who was doing motorbike racing, uh, anything really. So, yeah, I like, to, you know, I like to then get into it as well. And I'm generally interested. So it can be whatever, flavor of the month. You, you, ch you choose it. What is it. the flavor of the month now? I think flavor of the summer this year has been mountain biking. I, 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 I'd always done a little bit, but this year I really got into it 
more and more and more and explored a bit more. So that's maybe the current flavor that I'm I'm really interested in. Then and then I I read about where you can go, which 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 path you can go up and climb, which mountain, um, which trails there are to go down. Obviously, the downhill bit is the fun bit. <laughs> the climbing is the challenge, and the downhill is the sort of the sweet and the reward. Um, so I enjoy, I enjoy both. Um, but then I yeah I get really obsessed with it in terms of reading maps, seeing where you can go, how long it takes, beating the times that are recommended or uh, uh, subscribe or not subscribe. How you say? It's almost um, like orienteering, isn't it? Sort yeah. So point to that, point. but it can be also something completely different. <laughs> so it's not like next to racing, I have one thing that occupies my time. Like we spoke about bikes, I'd love to have more time for that. I'd love to you know do more work on that. Um, we spoke about the kids, so yeah, that's my maybe number one passion, just spend time with them. And I, it's not just because you're so much time away and therefore it's the thing to do and you have to be a good father and that. No, I generally just enjoy hanging around with them and doing stuff. So, What about sustainable farming? I've, I've read that um, you're interested in that. Yes. And I know you've had a bit of contact with Jody Schechter, former F1 driver, who is a farmer. Are you a fan of his buffalo mozzarella? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, I'm a fan of Jody, and uh, I think it just—it's a life example that, you know, this is such, this takes such a big part of my life now. But who knows what's coming next? And I think that's really exciting. Like, part of me can't wait to just dive into the next thing. You see what I mean? And uh, I think it's an, an immense privilege as well where I am in my life that I can try anything that I really like. I think it's also a responsibility because I, don't, I, I, I then do expect not to waste my time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it is, it is something really fascinating. It's obviously very, very different from racing, but I think what it shows, like I said, it's, it's, he shows or he has shown that you can thrive in anything you can imagine so and um i would say he's an expert in what he does now because he's excited by it he's interested in it so he read a lot about it and i find that exciting just listening to his story so he's passionate about it so you you definitely thrive off that but what bit of it taking jody as an example down at lavasto it's buffalo mozzarella it's well, dairy it's it's, 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 it's yeah, sparkling it's wine best food and best taste that's what he told me and actually, if you get into this, then it's not just, okay, let's plant a seed and just water it every now and then and just then harvest and then put it on the plate. It's not that, that easy. I think it, I don't know. In, in the end of the day, it's like with anything, there's so much more to it. And the fascinating bit for me about farming is that I find it sad, shocking, that we know so little and we are so we're not interested the majority of people I would say is just not interested doesn't look behind the scenes we consume that though it's not that we put it on which is like a shirt or a shoe but we consume it in a way that we actually put it inside us we eat that stuff and given that we do that and we are what we eat that we're so not interested I mean it has also been a long time in my life where I wasn't interested Obviously, my access to it was sports, performance, and then you come across nutrition and you, you wonder what's the best way to 
eat what's the best way to fuel yourself literally fuel your engine and then you get into it and then it's I found it fascinating this I mean I'm not a specialist but I just you know read about it and I'm interested you speak to people like Jody and there's so much more to it and I find it sad how far we've diverted from how we should farm and how we should grow things and how we actually do nowadays just because it's more efficient and therefore there's a bigger profit margin and better business to make so and are you concerned about things like animal welfare 100 percent. but it's you know same obviously with animals you can say that these are living creatures but you can also say the same about crops is also living you know if you see how much life there is in flour what you can do with it and so on what do we make of it i'm not a master chef so don't get me like i can't do anything near what they can do with it but just yeah i just think there's so much so much more to it and it, I find it so I, for me it's I find it interesting and in, in the end it goes back to education it goes back to where we not necessarily brought up but taught in a way the right things you know we get taught so much if you look at school and kids and most of that is we forget anyways so yeah I mean I don't want to sound too pessimistic but I think we're just not treating things with the proper respect they deserve whether it's an animal which is obvious because it's moving and it's alive and you know, you can, you have a connection, but with other things as well. And now bridging to farming is just, I think we should be aware of the fact that this is the stuff that we actually fuel ourselves with. This is our engine and we want it to fire properly and not have misfires and we want to be healthy. You know, I don't think there's anybody, no matter how good or bad your life is, I don't think there's anybody who wants just to sort of throw that away. But yet with our habits sometimes and with what we consume, it's like as if we don't care, so... Well, talking of habits, have you changed the way you live to be more environmentally friendly over the last 10, 15 years? Yeah, I think the time has changed. I think people are generally more aware and I think it's good that a lot, especially the young people are creating more and more awareness. Now with where the world stands today, with the COVID situation and so on, the pandemic, it has sort of killed a little bit that momentum and I hope it hasn't killed it so that people think of something else because it's something that affects all of us and we need to be very very serious about the difficulty really is that you know I've chosen a, or not chosen I've fa I fell in love with something when I was young my passion is racing and racing is not on the number one's list on the on people's number one list in terms of what is you know environmentally friendly um, that is true but then I think we should focus much more on what we can do rather than what we don't do, or what we, what we can't, can't change in a way. I think Formula One could change and Formula One could do better. But I'm not Mr. Formula One and I'm not deciding these things. But I can still decide what I'm doing and um, adapt sort of my life. So growing awareness is growing a conscious in each one of us. And then you can decide to do steps for yourselves and that those steps don't necessarily always have to be linked to giving up on things because I think it's generally an image of oh okay you're doing this for the environment but ah oh, but life's kind of dull and boring if we don't get to enjoy this and that that's not true I think we can still and that's the challenge for the future get the same out of our life but in a much more much better way for all of us which is 
ultimately our environment. When you think about the future of transportation, do you think our children and our children's children will be driving cars or do you think will be something? Well, I don't know. People like, like my parents told me, or generally the generation above told me that they thought we won't be driving anymore. We're still driving. We think probably that our kids don't drive anymore, but at some point it will come. What and it's will come though? The fact that you don't have a driver, you don't drive your car anymore, unless it's a classic car. <laughs> but autonomous driving, I think it's around the corner. Now there's just the, the question of making it, answering all the questions attached to it. But in terms of technology, and it's not, I don't think it's the calculations and algorithms and everything behind it, I don't think we're too far away. been hugely successful in your chosen field do you have any regrets about the life you've chosen no anything no. about the, the the publicity that comes with it the fame that comes with it the pressure well, i'm not on pushing that side of it so you're not <laughs> but it still comes with <laughs> yeah, it yeah yeah we're having a chat now i don't have any regrets i think you always learn along the way and there's things that you would do differently if you get to the same situation again but then that's the important bit. It's not about, okay, I want to go back to that situation and replay. No, it's time, it's move, it's time to move on always. So um, I don't have any regrets. The fame, I'm not a big fan of it. It comes with it. But I'm also not depending on it. I'm quite happy if people don't recognize who I am or more what I do because who I am is not what I am. For me, there's a, I, dis I, I differentiate between the two. I actually prefer because then it's fair, you know, then I'm the same as they are and we are on the same level. Whereas many times, unfortunately, then people think, immediately have an image of you and that's not, I think that's not right. Because I, I don't know, I go to, to a shop and I speak to the owner or whatever and I don't know him and I get to know him and that's the impression I get. I don't know if he's good or bad, I have to find out. And when people know what you do for a living, then it's always like they put you in a box and I'm getting put in that box and I don't enjoy pu being put in a box. I'd much rather, as much as I don't like to put people in boxes, I don't want them to put me in boxes. So, But no, I don't regret. Plus, I, I think it's a huge privilege. First of all, finding something that really fulfills me and that I really love doing. I, you know, It's not like I said earlier, the weekdays and weekends is the same. And I don't have that Friday and Monday feeling. Actually, I, quite, I'm, you know, I still like Sunday, but it doesn't... Like it's not a struggle to get up and motivate myself because I generally like what I do. So I think that's a huge privilege. I think there's a lot of people out there that unfortunately, maybe they, they're not brave enough or maybe they've more so been pushed in a, in a direction situation where it's very, very difficult to get out of. So in that regard, I feel very, very privileged. Plus, obviously, you know, let's be, let's be frank. Um, I got to a point where I'm financially independent and you know, gives me the chance to, like I said earlier, to try lots of things and get into lots of things. So, yeah, I think that's, my life is a privilege, so. 
what are the long-term goals now? Could we happiness. see happiness? Yeah, sounds dull, but actually, I think it's isn't it? I mean, I but think we could if get you... quite deep now. I mean, what is happiness? Yeah, <laughs> that's. I think that's just. <laughs> but that's we very that. personal. Yeah. No, but seriously, I think the long-term goal. I mean, yes, okay. Short-term, obviously, I'm changing team next year and uh, getting a bit more back on the track. Yeah, obviously, I. As much as it is difficult to expect things, but I, I obviously have things in my head and my mind that I want to achieve and I measure myself against. I think that's normal and also being competitive, that's normal. Um, but yeah, being happy, growing, I think learning and basically never stop learning. Staying in Formula One, could we see you getting involved in running a team or I don't know, running it depends. a sport? I think it depends. Like I said earlier, when you said, okay, what's your number one passion off track? I'm quite open to a lot of things, so maybe is the answer, but equally it could be absolutely not because I fell fall in love with something else, like Jody. Maybe you know, I'm not saying I'm going to do that, but that's why I think ultimately it's being happy, being content with who you are. You know, which I think it's easy to say, but much more difficult to achieve. Like, how many people do you know when you talk to them or when you ask them how are you and they say I'm fine that they actually generally are happy with their lives. You see what I mean? How are you, Seb? I'm fine. I'm brilliant. No, but I also have my struggles and my problems and my worries and everything. I'm, we are all human. But yeah, that would be the goal that if you meet me in, I don't know, 30 years that I, that I can say I'm satisfied. Seb, last thing. You respect Formula One history. Are you proud of your place in it? Not yet. <laughs> One, I'm not done yet. And two, um, I don't look at it that way. But one day, probably, yes. So already now I have very, very fond and great memories, which I wouldn't want to miss. So I guess those things add to pride at some point and just, you know, a sort of, sort of pride that I don't need to go out and tell everyone about. But just for myself, I know that it's there and I'm happy with it. But equally, I'm you know, not stuck in, in that moment and happy to, to move on. So, Seb, it's been great to chat. Thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to seeing you in British Racing Green next year. Thank you. Do you think it'll suit you? Yes, I think so. <laughs> I think red is very difficult. You know, red suits everyone because it's Ferrari, but if you speak to actually somebody who knows something about style and fashion, then I think red is a more difficult match than green. So... No, I'm looking forward to it, despite the colour. I think mostly the people and the, the task. So, looking forward to it. It'll be fascinating to see how he gets on at Aston Martin next year. I've got a feeling he'll thrive in that environment. And I'm sure I'm not alone in wishing him all the best and hoping that he's able to challenge at the front again. As for that conversation, I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it. Seb is such an articulate and interesting guy and he's a grown-up and that's not a description I'd use to describe every driver on the grid. His opinions are based on knowledge and intelligence, and he's always trying to learn more, whether that be about farming, the environment, old cars, old bikes, mountain biking, and the rest. Seb, many thanks for your time. It was great to catch up. And thanks too to Ferrari for your hospitality. 
And if this was your first time listening to Beyond the Grid, a big thanks to you too. Great to have you aboard. Seb is the 15th world champion that we've had on the show, and that's just the drivers. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please have a listen through our back catalogue and hit the subscribe or follow button. There's plenty of great conversations to get stuck into from Hamilton to Prost and Stewart and so much more in between. Next up, let's delve into our virtual mailbag and see what you've been saying about the show. And it seems you enjoyed last week's episode with Zach Brown. Adam Keeble got in touch to say this. In the space of an hour, Zach went from being someone I knew very little about to probably one of my favourite people on the grid, a genuine petrol head who finally looks like the man capable of pushing McLaren back to the front. Thanks for getting in touch, Adam. Yes, Zach's a great guy, and let's hope you're right and that he is the man to push McLaren back to the front. And how about this one from namesake Zach Robinson? He says, Zach is a role model in taking his passion for motorsport and making a successful career out of it. Loved hearing his passion come through in everything that he said. Zach's passion is a recurring theme, isn't it? He's the sort of boss you'd look forward to seeing at work and you'd always be pestering him to show you his car collection, wouldn't you? And we'll do one more. This one from Abby Stella Boyd, who said, One of my favourite episodes so far. I dropped out of my marketing degree a couple of years ago, but listening to Zach has made me want to pick it back up and get it done. He's a very intelligent guy and clearly extremely passionate about motorsport. I know Zach will be really chuffed to hear you say that, Abby. He'd love you to have another crack at your marketing degree. And if you do, good luck. Well, that's it for another week. Please keep your messages coming. We'd love to hear what you thought of Seb. I'm at Tom Clarkson F1 on Twitter, and you can use the hashtag F1 Beyond the Grid. Thanks for listening. Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 in association with Audio Boom. Until next time, keep it flat out. <laughs> <laughs>